I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History, a Christmas special. Officially titled Let's Ruin Christmas. Yeah. We literally, we had like um, a text message conversation about what we were going to do. And it was like, yes, let's ruin Christmas for everybody. So I'd say sorry, but I think anyone who actually listens to this will really enjoy it. Yeah. And also, I think we should say, say we we actually love Christmas, don't we? We do. We've both got Christmas yeah. jumps on. Got my yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. But it's it's really interesting. I had a really good time actually researching my bit. Yeah, I did as well. And I read this book called Bad Santas, which Ooh. is just brilliant. It's by Paul Hawkins. And it's 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 a really interesting book. If you love Christmas, if you love the macabre like we do and it there's a lot of history in there about christmas uh, and it, it's a really fascinating read so that's where i got a lot of my stuff from so i really recommend oh, it cool. okay yeah i'm going to be talking about saint nicholas and obviously he kind of inspired santa claus yeah so when we think of santa claus and we think of this lovely jolly fellow but actually when I really started thinking about Santa Claus and this is what he says at the beginning of the book imagine lying in bed (laughs) on a dark night you hear something downstairs there are footsteps on the stairs coming up slowly getting closer and closer to your bedroom you can't move because you're absolutely terrified the door opens in comes a really quite big tall man (laughs) A white man with a the worst kind, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a great big wild beard, and he watches you when you're sleeping. <laughs> it is horrible. It is. It's really, really creepy. But also, before he even gets up to your bedroom, he eats all of your shit as well. <laughs> Have you seen so, um, the trailer for the David Harbour movie? Is it David Harbour from Stranger Things? Hopper. Is he playing Santa? Violent Night. And it's like this action movie where Santa saves the day and it's him. Oh, my. Looks awful, but it looks brilliant. (laughs) Um, Oh, my goodness. I think it's out of the cinema. So I've just seen Adam Caesar, you know, he wrote Clown in a Cornfield. Yeah. He got sent like a, a promotion thing. And one of the little promotion items was a headless gingerbread man. And he's like, oh, lovely. With any film that has a headless gingerbread man as part of the promo. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. So, is David Harbour actually playing Santa? Yeah. So, I think that's going to unlock a lot of weird things for a lot of people. I know. I was going to say, I didn't know. I I had a thing about Santa, but I think I might a bit now if it's him. He's like the Bruce Willis of Santas in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Swiftly moving on. So I'm going to talk to you about St. Nicholas and his representatives, who you've probably heard of some of his representatives. So we'll get to that later on. So just a, a little bit of background about St. Nicholas. There's not that many facts about him. There's, it's sort of few and far between because he because he lived so long ago. But he was known in his lifetime as Nicolaus of Myra. He was the fourth century bishop in a town that was part of Greece back, back in those days. He was born to wealthy parents, but he was orphaned at a very early age. And he, he died on the 6th of December. So that's why he's kind of associated with December and eventually 
you know, merging with the idea of, of Santa and Christmas and that sort of festive period. Okay. And in some countries, they still celebrate the 6th of December as St. Nicholas Day. Some experts aren't really sure that he actually existed at all because a lot of the stories about him share similarities to other to, to myths and legends that were wrote at the time. So they're not they're not entirely sure that he really existed, but a lot of people do believe that he did exist. So his his when his parents died, it, it kind of deepened his commitment to Christianity. He gave away all his possessions and all of his wealth that he'd inherited from them, and he became a bishop by chance when the town bishop had died and the council of bishops were choosing a who was going to be the next bishop when suddenly a mysterious voice commanded that they should appoint the next person to walk in whose name was nicholas and then guess who walked in <laughs> i know i know <laughs> you just imagine him like he's like upstage. you need you yeah. need to appoint someone called uh, nicholas but i love how everyone in there is like god is that you yeah is that you and then he walks in and they're like, oh, hiya. And he's like, hiya, my name's Nicholas. And they're like, oh, you sound a bit like the voice we just heard. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. That was God. Yeah, it wasn't me. So there's lots of stories about um, St. Nicholas being the protector of children, which is, again, another reason why he's associated with Christmas time and giving gifts and that sort of thing. So it's lovely. This is lovely that he's the, he's the protector of children. But some of the stories about the protection of children they're not that christmasy so i just thought i'd share a couple of these this mm. is from st nicholas center website you might have heard this story because when it got to the end it did sound familiar to me and i've heard i've read lots of different versions of this story so this one says that there was one day three small children were gleaning in the field when they'd had enough and got bored they wandered off into town as children do and they got you know, waylaid, started playing and mucking about and they got lost. What were they doing also, in the field? Sorry? What were they doing in the field? Gleaning. What I, does that I, mean? that you, I don't know, Cynthia. I'd hope that oh. you knew what it meant. No, Should can I look it up? up? Yeah. Gleaning. I feel it's like cleaning. <laughs> uh, gleaning. To obtain. So, like, maybe just picking stuff, cutting stuff down. Yeah, gather grain after a harvest. Yeah. So they were worth so There you go. Mm. So after they were gleaning, after they were done gleaning in the field, they went off into town just to muck about like kids do, and eventually they got lost. And I read that this was at a time when everybody was, like, had there was no food around there was no meat. Everybody was really hungry. You go to the shops. There was nothing on the shelves. There was nothing to buy. And everybody, it was a really dire time. And th anyway, these kids went off and they got lost and it got later and later and it was getting darker and darker. And they came across a butcher's shop. Doesn't sound good, does it? Mm. And the light was on. I also read that it was an inn, it was an inn and it was an innkeeper's um light that was on so there's a couple of versions of this story so they knocked on the door and they said we're lost and hungry may we eat and sleep oh yes came the reply oh. do come in i know so like, run run for your life kids so they walk in and he shuts the door behind them and he takes a sharp knife and kills them all oh no yeah cuts them up into pieces and then he puts them into a large salting tub oh my now, god 
with the background that there was like no food or anything, no meat to buy in any of the shops at the time, you're thinking, right, so he's enterprising here. He's just thinking I can, you know, make some money out of this flesh from these children. So, of course, his mother, their mother got very worried. And the later it got and the more days that went on, she was more and more convinced that something bad had happened to them. So she and her husband went to St. Nicholas to help because he was he I mean, he wasn't a saint at the time, obviously, but he was the bishop in in town. And it also says in this story that seven this is seven years on. So they've been missing for seven years. So the, the butcher, the butcher or the innkeeper, he hears a knock at the door and Bishop St. Nicholas appears and says to the evil butcher, I'm going to take a look around. So he's like, yeah, OK, uh, nothing to see here. And of course, St. Nicholas goes straight over to the salting tub. Seven years later. I know. I know. Uh-huh. I don't really understand that little yeah. twist in the tail. He opens it up and there are the three bodies of the children. So they're still there. So he's done nothing with them for seven years. So no, maybe a weirdo. Yeah, yeah, just a weirdo. But it's OK because the saint puts his hands on the tub appeals to God and says, rise up, children. And the little children come back to life and they stand up. And, of course, their families joyfully welcome them home seven years later. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Creepy, eh? Yeah, that's those kids are never coming back right, are they? After being no. assaulted. No. So he, so that's why he's, he's the protector and the patron of children. Wow. And another story, which turns out okay, but is also a little bit questionable. This was the day that he, it was his consecration as bishop. And a young mother was at home giving her baby a bath. And to make sure that the bath water was warm, she had the bath hanging over the fire in the fireplace with the baby in it. I think I know this one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a metal bath. So obviously, you know, heating up pretty pretty quick and the cathedral bells are ringing out and she remembers what's happening so she just gets overexcited and runs off to the cathedral and leaves her baby in the bath over the fire yeah of course i mean i know like we can all be a little bit absent-minded when we're tired and whatever but yeah that seems extreme (laughs) yeah yeah fire and infants tend to not be a good mix yeah and And water and yeah yeah and so off she went to join in with the with the hymns and all the prayers and then after that she she went home still not thinking about her baby until she walked in and there was like smoke everywhere and she was like oh, oh my god my baby over the fire but she went in and the baby was just sitting up in the bath laughing smiling absolutely fine and she believed she picked up the baby and she thanked god that nicholas had spared her baby's life and she she believed that it was because nicholas was keeping a watchful eye over the baby. And this was the first miracle ever attributed to Nicholas right. after he became bishop. But he wasn't so. like physically there. No, but he oh. was he knew, he knew that she'd left her baby at home in the bar. Okay. Yeah. And one more story about St. Nick, and I, I love this one. I didn't know this about him. So he came to the aid of a poor old uh, father who who had three daughters and he couldn't afford the dowry for, for the three of them to get married. And without the money, they were destined to not get married and they'd have to turn oh. to prostitution. Lissai, my yeah, God. So, so that, you know, there was no 
no work that you could do if you're a woman back in those days your only your only option would be to go into prostitution so St Nick was like I am not having this this is not this is not on so he decided to help them and he started with the first daughter when she came when she came of age old enough to marry so he did this in secret because he didn't want to embarrass the family because they they were poor and they didn't have enough money so he went to their house at night time sound familiar and chucked a purse filled with gold through the window for them to discover the next day Aww. and they were like oh that's nice and there's different versions of this story that he returns on consecutive nights three nights in a row with a bag for each daughter and the dad like wondering where this money has come from obviously he's very grateful so he he sort of he lies in wait by the window one night but St Nicholas like gets wind of the fact that he's waiting there so guess where he drops the bag of gold down the down the chimney and then another version is that one of the daughters was hanging up her damp stockings by the fire and one of the bags of gold landed inside one of the stockings and that's how he became known as the patron saint of prostitutes is he really yes not done a great job has he not the safest job in the world is it no no so i just thought that was that was fascinating and and also he was prone to acts of violence there's in this book there's a couple of there's a couple of passages where he he got so um irate about something there's this bit where he's arguing with another bishop about some like disagreement about christian doctrine and it got so heated that saint nick punched the guy in the face punched him laid him out and all the other bishops were like hey that's not cool man we're gonna like disrobe you and stuff this is you know and you're gonna get like put in a little cell so they take him off and put him in a little cell chain him up whip all of his bishop's clothes off and he's sitting in there and apparently god was like no it's cool it's cool saint nicholas here are your robes back i'll unchain you so the next morning the bishop's going to see him and he's sitting there and he's like (laughs) and (laughs) he's been re-bishoped he's like i can do what i want mate so yeah i like i like that story so now we're getting on to his counterparts so you'll know about some of these guys particularly Krampus I think everybody has heard of Krampus so in many European countries when he visited he'd have like a companion it was like the negative sort of counterpart so sort of good cop bad cop if you like and where St Nicholas would reward children and give them like fruit or what have you often he'd ask them if they knew their prayers or if they were doing well at school but this counterpart would not give them something nice they'd give them something else So the kids would uh, leave their shoes, expecting them to be filled with sweets or something. But if they'd been bad, then they'd get something else in in their shoe. And what would they get? Pardon? What would they get? Well, it depends. Depends. Depends who's visiting. Depends who's visiting. When you were like being naughty when you were little, did your mum or dad ever tell you that you would get something in your stocking if you were naughty? Yeah. What was it? Coal. Do you know what mine was? What? Dry dog poo. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. I don't think that's like a traditional thing. I think that was just my mum. No, that's not something I've I've come across in my research, (laughs) Cynthia. (laughs) That's brilliant. So funny. I'll definitely carry that tradition on if I ever have a family. (laughs) Yeah, you should. Mm -hmm. You should. So... First of all, we have Krampus. 
Yes. And he is from Germany, Austria, that sort of area. He's a demonic half goat monster with horns and a long tongue. He looks absolutely terrifying. I think there's a film called Krampus, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And yeah. a graphic novel, I want to say. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. He's really scary looking. And they have a sort of celebration called Krampusnacht which is the night before St. Nicholas's Day, he drags chains behind him and when he walks, he rattles them and he carries a birch to whip bad children and sometimes a basket or a sack for kidnapping them and taking them back to hell, nice. which is really Christmassy. Other counterparts for St. Nicholas, we have Père Foutard, which is French for Father Whipper or Old Man Whipper. So he does what he says on the tin. He whips children. There's a lot of whipping. There's a lot of wow. whipping going on. So he's a character who does the rounds with St. Nicholas on the 6th of December and he gives out lumps of coal as well or beatings. So he'll put he'll put coal <laughs> into the <laughs> either or. Do you know what, though? I think a lot of people would be happy to receive some coal right oh, at this moment. Now. Yeah, definitely. Or what, even back in the living? day, like coal would have been. I mean, for kids, yeah. no. But the adults yeah. must have been delighted, like. Yeah. And then we have Necht Ruprecht, who is from Germany. And he he asks children whether they know their prayers. And if if they do know their prayers, then they'll get some apples or nuts or gingerbread or something like that. But if he doesn't, they he beats them with a bag of ashes. What? I know. That would be quite like a, a strange. I know. Imagine if it's like human ashes, human nice. remains ashes. But also he's been reported to give out lumps of coal or sticks and stones as well. And then we have Belschnickel. He's a companion of St. Nicholas in Germany. And he wears fur, which covers his entire body. And he, again, he has like this mask with a really, really long tongue. And he carries like a, um, a big, long sort of tree branch. They all seem to like carrying stuff like that. Yeah. Just in case you need to whip someone. But that's like what you said about Merlin um yeah and it it will feed into what I'm going to talk about as well so yeah. yeah I remember someone forwarding me there's a type of tree that has and I can't remember what it is that has the sort of it was considered to have a mystical quality so that if you carried a piece of it you'd be able to get into another world and do you remember that thing that I was going to write about the 50s the girl who kind of went yeah. back to that town and it was like they were stuck in the 50s yeah and he was going to have an umbrella and the umbrella handle was going to be made of that particular type of tree wood ah, is so it that birch? he could get back and forth. Is it anyway. a birch? It might be birch. Oh, I think birch does birch. have, yeah, I don't think witches like birch trees. No, because I sent you a picture anyway. once of the woods near my house and you said, oh, birch yeah. trees, the witches away. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Right, and then we have, oh, I, I, this is like, this, we've got whole family now. So Gryla or Grela, she is a giantess and she's just described as being absolutely enormous and really, really ugly. I can't remember where she's from. I think I want to say Germany. I could be wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong. So the oldest sort of poems and stuff and stories about her describe her as being a, a parasitic beggar. And she walks around asking parents to give them disobedient children. So she really knows her audience. I think in Sabrina, there was a witch who like lived out in the woods and I'm sure she was called Grela. And that was the kind oh, of maybe. did. Yeah. Yeah. Was she, was she big? No, but she was a proper no. 
like witchy looking right scary <laughs> so she she used to live in a cottage but then she moved out to live in a cave presumably because she just I don't know she needed the space for all of her children which we will get on to soon and especially if she's a giant she can't just have like a little house in town can she she yeah. needs to live out with a bit more space and yeah so she comes from the mountains around Christmas time to search to search for children to eat she leaves her cave hunts for them and then carries them home in her giant sack and then eats them up not horrible she's been married three times and her husband is called Lapalau I'm saying that wrong I know I am (laughs) he lives with her in his cave and apparently he's really lazy they also have a big black cat called the Yule cat who I'll mention, and they've got, as I said, they've got these sons, so they're a big family. But yeah, he just, her husband just stays at home in bed and just waits for her to bring home snacks, I, I guess. And then her sons are called the Yule Lads, which sounds oh. like a lovely festive a cappella group, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, it There's does. 13 of them. <laughs> okay. There's 13 of them, and they're really mischievous, and they just go into town and harass the population there. They all have really descriptive names, which kind of describe what it is that they get up to so there's someone called stubby there's someone called spoon licker and someone called doorway sniffer (laughs) i know i know saying that it does it sounds funny but then can you imagine coming home and somebody was just stood there licking your doorway you'd be that is you would be terrified you would be terrified and if someone had licked spoons, that's just horrible uh, (laughs) they come and visit on the 13th, because there's 13 of them, you'll get a visit from each one 13 days leading up to Christmas. Like, I, I think that is, isn't it? That's brilliant. Yeah, that's crazy. And if they, they leave small gifts um, for kids who've left their shoes out on the windowsill, but if they've been disobedient and they'll leave a rotten potato in the shoe. I just think oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like those guys. Interesting cat. And there's a bit more about the York cat here. A huge vicious cat who slinks around at Christmas time and just eats people who apparently haven't received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. So really specific, oh, really that, specific. That's not <laughs> people's fault, though. And that's what I wrote. I put awful, not their fault in capital letters. And apparently this was this was obviously all made up. It was a threat of being eaten by the Yule cat. It was used by farmers as, as an incentive to make sure that their workers finished processing the wool for autumn. Oh, my God. Isn't that mean? That's weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, who really come up with that? Yeah. So obviously the ones who did their work, they'd get the clothes and they wouldn't get eaten by the cat. So and then. I think this is my favourite one. The, maybe second favourite. We have a Christmas witch called Frau Perkta, and she has a soft spot for entrails. She was pop. She was made popular by Can You Believe It? Grimm's Fairy Tales. She's a tall, white-robed woman, or a terrifying, haggard witch with one large, misshapen foot, which suggests that she can shapeshift into different kind of animals. Set. See if this sounds familiar. She said to reward good children over Christmas, but will slit the belly of a bad child open, remove their organs and replace them with straw and stones. Oh, my God. Isn't that just like so specific? It made me think of the night hag. Yeah, a bit. I'm just thinking of like people telling this to their children to be good. No, 
not it's not dry dog poo that you're getting you're going to be slit <laughs> open and your entrails are going to be eaten by the christmas witch yeah. and then she'll fill your insides with dry dog poo oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then this guy was pretty shady as well uh so all these apparently they do you know saint nicholas comes and then these guys guys come at the same time and this was this someone called hans trap and this was in alsace he was a local guy renowned for his greed and, and being unscrupulous he used and he used witchcraft and deals deals with the devil to get his wealth so he was run out of town because they were just like he's really really evil so he just took to roam in the countryside disguised as a scarecrow as you do and at some point he just became completely obsessed with the idea of eating human flesh so when one day he was waiting on the path dressed as a scarecrow as you do and this 10 year old boy came along and hands trap stabbed him with a sharp stick and dragged his body back to his lair oh no he chucked him over the fire and cooked him over the fire but before he could take his first bite of the flesh god intervened god was like this has gone too far and he struck him with lightning oh well yeah i know since then he goes door to door at christmas time looking for tasty young children to eat you know what they're really scary stories aren't they like oh oh, that's what i mean they are like really really scary when it's dark in the evening and yeah yeah i mean it would stop you from being naughty wouldn't it oh god yeah yeah and it would keep you at home it you know it'd be like don't go out too far because hans trap might be out there dressed as a scarecrow waiting to eat your flesh oh god yeah or frau perkter wants yeah. to dig out your insides this is my favorite this one's not so scary and if anybody is from the catalan region of spain we'd love to hear more about this cagatillo or defecating log is a tradition from the Catalan region of Spain where families create a character out of a log which then sits on the dining room table during the fest- festive period. There's also a character in a na- nativity scene. If you go to that area of Spain, if you look at nativity scenes, you'll see a guy with his trousers around his ankles doing a poop. What? I know. So I'd, I'd love to know more. Anyway, the <laughs> log, the family must feed the log nuts, sweets and fruit every day leading up to Christmas Eve. That night, the family takes sticks and beats the log to make it poo its treats, all while singing a traditional Christmas song. Oh, my God. What? There you go. I know. That's ridiculous. Brilliant. Who came up with that? Like, well, I don't know. I'd rather the Christmas poo than Frau. Yeah, Frau Perkter. Yeah, that's true, but... Comes up it's so it. specific and random, though, isn't it? Feeding the log and then making it poo mm. by singing a song. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Anyway, okay. your turn. Yeah, no, they were really, really creepy. And then that's just... It's <laughs> me, that last one. Like, how weird. Because <laughs> they were really scary. Yeah. I just... Uh, like, looking at what I've done as well, a lot of it is about dark you know being dark and yeah how to kind of make yourself feel better so I have looked at the pagan roots of Christmas so when I did art history at uni I did a lot about Roman and Greek kind of history and a lot of things that they did feed into the things that Christians celebrate now so I thought I'd tell you some the first one is Saturnalia 
So Saturnalia was a Roman festival and it ran for several days in early to mid-December. I've written September, so I don't know if it's September or December. <laughs> I don't know if I've just got it wrong. Um, but it was in honour of the god Saturn. And right. the history.co.uk called it the most notorious shindig in history. It was it was a proper time of merrymaking and there would be raucous parties, rampant gambling, and there would be role and rule reversal. So servants and slaves could take control for those few days. Masters would have to serve them um, and they would have to follow orders. So you can imagine it was, you can imagine some slave really going for it and then paying for it days later. Yeah. They were allowed to openly criticise those in power and houses were decked in greenery and gifts were exchanged. So it sounds very much like the Christmas New Year period that we would celebrate now. Yeah. It was a winter solstice festival. So I think it was December, not September. And it was one of many that evolved to bring good cheer in a season of long nights. Then in 274 AD, which was long after Saturnalia had already been established, something called Sol was created. So the Romans established this as a day to celebrate the sun god Sol Invictus. And it was on December the 25th. Ah, Christianity was growing in the Roman world. 60 years later, it would be adopted as the kind of official religion. So there were lots of people who were Christians, but it was still a little bit secret. Christians would celebrate Saul, but they would do it in their own way. They would, you know, still partake in the Roman celebrations, but they started to use it as a celebration of Christianity as well. And one of the main things that you used during Sol was different lights and candles because they were to represent the sun god and they were a token of festivity. So less than a century later, when Christianity became the official religion in Rome, Pope Julius I officially established the date of Christ's birthday to be December 25th because they were already celebrating Sol Invictus. So he just added that in there. So there is a lot of like, Jesus probably wasn't born on December the 25th. You know, I think not a lot of people even think about that, but I think it's sometime in spring that they think he was probably born. Yeah. The Romans decided to keep the same date and they turned Sol Invictus into Christmas. Then we've got Yule. So Yule was a Viking festival that was held to encourage optimism and good luck in the depths of winter. So there's a lot about making really joyful celebrations to to kind of stop seasonal affective disorder from taking yeah. over. Um, oh, yeah. Which I get because I struggle in the winter. Like I struggle to get up because there's no light. And, you know, when it gets to like four or five o'clock, I feel like the day is done and I need to go to bed. And I'm a summer person, definitely. Even though I love Christmas and autumn, I'm definitely... I need the sun in order to work to like my full potential. I'm the opposite. Everyone. I know you are. I don't get it. I got, I've got a <laughs> this is why we get on so well. That comes on in the morning because I need like sunlight <laughs> to wake up. So I get this. I get, I get having to do something nice. So Yule was celebrated on midwinter night. And according to a Viking saga, Hakon the Good, who was the 10th century king of Norway, used the Yule celebrations to smuggle in Christianity. So he was a Christian, oh, wow. yes. he like smuggled it in and he started to celebrate things like that around the same time. A Yule log is a relic from before Christianity 
And the origin is obscure, but it was thought that it was a real log that was burnt on the fire and it was said to bring good luck. Did it do a poo? It don't oh, think it did. No, I think that's I think that's a later edition. <laughs> Mistletoe. Mistletoe is a parasitic plant, so it's mm. an unlikely symbol of romance and Christmas courtship. But it's said to go back to a Norse myth involving Loki. And it says read on phone because I took a photo of it because I could not be bothered <laughs> writing it all down. As the story goes, another god called Balder was driven to paranoia by visions of his own death. His mother, the goddess Frigg, made every earthly object vow to never harm him. As a result, Balder became known for his invincibility until Loki turned up and fashioned a weapon out of mistletoe, the one thing which hadn't made the vow. Balder was killed and Frigg's tears of woe were caught on the mistletoe's branches, turning into white pearl-like berries. So oh, I love that. And then it says, remember this story for the next time you find yourself stuck making awkward, <laughs> flirtatious small talk beneath mistletoe at a Christmas party. That is the kind of thing I would tell somebody. Yeah. About. <laughs> so it's with like, so the, the white berries are like a symbol of love. Yeah. But motherly love by the sounds of it. So okay. Christmas tree is possibly descended from the evergreen ornaments that were used during Saturnalia. And also tree worship rituals from other winter solstice rites in pagan cultures. So like you were talking before about a person with like a big stick and berries and fruit all over it. Yeah. and stuff. It seems to be a really common theme because that takes me on to Santa. So you talked about St. Nick. So that came up, but because I was doing pagan, obviously St. Nick was like centuries later, wasn't he? Yes. Um, but there was a figure in pagan winter festivals who resembled Father Christmas. He appeared to represent the coming of spring. He wore a long green hooded cloak and he carried a wreath of holly, mistletoe or ivy. And his role was to make people happier throughout winter. So that's thought to be kind of an early version of Santa. Precursor. Yeah. yeah. Because also giving gifts, it comes from, so in Saturnalia they gave gifts, but Odin, the god Odin. So he would ride an eight-legged horse through the sky. So a little wow. bit like Santa in his what does that sound like? Yeah. In winter, kids would fill up their boots with carrots and straw and they would leave it for Sleepnir, who was the eight-legged horse. I'd probably not say. And so he would come and eat them and then Odin would reward the children with small presents in the boots. Oh. Mm. So sounds very familiar. Yeah. Mm. Holly, secret Christians, uh, before it was the official religion in Rome, they would hang holly to make it look like they were celebrating Saturnalia, but other Christians would also hang holly. So it was a way to identify each other. So they were still partaking in the normal kind of Saturnalia. Oh, that's clever. But they had like a little secret code so they could identify each other. Mm. And then also even older um, and like pagan and Germanic tribes, kind of Northern Europe, they had the Holly and the Oak King. Have you heard of those? Ooh, so no. The Holly King was winter and the Oak King is summer and they would battle. So spring and autumn would be the battle times. 
and the Holly King would win in autumn and he would bring on winter and then they would fight again and the Oak King would win and he would bring on summer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that one. Tree decorating is also really old. So in Saturnalia, they used to hang small metal decorations of the Roman gods outside their house on the greenery. And in Germanic cultures, they would decorate trees with fruit and candles to celebrate midwinter. And that was to honour Odin as well. Christmas carols, I really like this one. There's loads of really good stories. There's a Welsh one about um, like a, a creepy monster who comes and sings carols. I can't remember the name of it. Do you know who oh, I mean? Yes. yes, is he like a, he's got a, a skull. Yeah, like, like a, a horse skull or something. Yeah, horse skull. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really cool. But I didn't look that one up properly. Um, so Christmas carols, they were a country tradition from agricultural superstition. At the summer and during the harvest season and in midwinter, country people would sing to offer good wishes and blessings in return for food and drink. So they would go to people's houses, sing, they would get food and drink. And then in midwinter, there was like a special hot drink, a bit like mulled wine or mulled cider. And that would be given to people who came. And the intention is to drive away evil spirits. So they were singing nice. to drive away evil spirits. And then finally, because we are coming up to it, um, the new year, the Romans just made up months. Um, so the Romans used to have 10 months, which is why. So you've got like December Yes, is 10, isn't it? So like... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was the 10th month. And when you think November, Nova is nine. Mm. So mm. it used to be 10 months. And then Julius Caesar was like, well, I want to call a month after me. And he made up July. So he just threw that in the middle. Like, it, I assume yeah. it was like at his favourite time of year or whatever. And then um, Augustus, when... Well, I want one too. So August yeah. is named after Augustus. <laughs> so these like Roman emperors who were just like, eh. So that's where our months come from. And Julius Caesar just changed it up and decided that he wanted to say that January was the start of the year. Because why not? Um, so January was the month of Janus, the god of beginnings and endings. So it kind mm. of fit. It made sense. And the 1st of January was sacred to Janus and it was marked with merrymaking, gifts and food. Lovely. There you go. So completely made up, but we've been doing it for 2,000 years. So why yes. not now, hey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read a little bit about Saturnalia in, in that book, Bad Santas. It sounds It's so really interesting. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So yeah. And I just love, like, people then, think that you know, Christianity is what invented Christmas. And actually it's something that people have been doing for thousands of years, but just under different yeah. guises. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if I've got this right, but they started moving away from all of those like massive raucous celebrations, obviously because of, you know, the Puritans were sort of like, no, you know. Yeah, well, Puritans just banned Christmas at one point. Yeah, yeah. So. And and also, but then when apparently when people started moving away from the countryside more and moving into towns and like even moving um, overseas, 
around that time when it starts to get really dark and lonely and you know christmas yeah. sort of time people were like we really need something this time of year and yeah. that's when like christmas as we know it started being reintroduced and they picked and sort of chose all these nice bits from various different cultures and stuff to make christmas as we know it as well yeah so, definitely and you yeah. know what that it really resonated with me because i think sometimes when we think about history we just think of these like historical figures who weren't we don't think of them as really people with feelings and emotions no. and and the fact that people for so long have struggled in the winter and needed some kind of like bright and happy celebration to yeah. carry them through it really kind of struck me because I thought that's exactly what I would need and mm-hmm. you know it is the nicest bit of winter isn't it because can you imagine is, yeah. not having that celebrate like you would just hibernate I wish I could. Have it. I mean, I mean, January is really hard, isn't it? Because yeah, and just my birthday's in January, and it was always yeah. saying that my book comes Aww. out now in my birthday week, so I really enjoyed that first week of January. Yeah, now. but my birthday was always a bit pants, and everyone forgot it, and you know, yeah, um, yeah it would be really, really difficult, wouldn't it, without Christmas and without yeah. here and that time to celebrate? So I really enjoyed that one. It was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Excellent. Yeah. So well, Merry uh, Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say we just talked about it all. <laughs> I think this comes out on the 21st. So hopefully people are all as organised as they can be and haven't yeah. found it too difficult to to mm-hmm. get Christmas together. I know it can be difficult for some people. Um, so sending lots of love and strength to anyone who finds it hard. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you have family around, enjoy them. And hope you get a visit from Krampus oh oh not the Christmas witch though (laughs) anyway okay right we will see you next week for the last episode of the year yeah yeah okay bye-bye bye browser history deleted